Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment today, and we are delighted to welcome Peaches Hall into our Caregiver SOS On Air studios. Peaches is the executive director, the jefe, over at the WellMed Charitable Foundation Senior Center at Ingram Mall, and it's good to see you. Oh, it's so nice to be here. I miss it when I'm not here. Well, we love having you here, and, and one of the things in your checkered career that you have done, you've worked with folks who have dementia, who have Alzheimer's, and who often had suffered from uh, traumatic brain injuries. Yes, yeah. That can be as difficult, if not more, to me. Um, they're not predictable. It's, it's much like, um, and sadly, many of them have dementia as well. You know, so it's tough. It's a tough one. Well, we've got a couple of experts joining us on our Caregiver SOS On Air Hotline. Susan Vaughn and Rebecca Wolfkeel. They're with the National Association of State Head Injury Administrators. And we're going to talk about how to be informed and why we need to be informed about traumatic brain injury. And to the two of you, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I was watching Monday Night Football the other night, and uh, the networks have gotten a lot better at showing helmet-to-helmet contact that looks so devastating. We're not here just to talk about football brain injuries, but seeing some of those hits made me wonder, what in the world does that do to people's brains? Yeah, it's something we're learning. This is Susan, and this is something that's been uh, at the forefront in terms of research federally and nationally and before members of Congress. I think now that our athletes are... um, sometimes living longer and maybe not as long as we would like, but some of the recent athletes that you've read about in the paper who have died have now been able to donate their brains to a uh, research place in Boston who's been looking at the brains of of athletes, and they now see that there is uh, a lot of degenerating problems that occur and it's, and it's really not just the one-time hit. Sometimes it's the, cute, uh, the repetitive hits, not only in football but soccer and many sports now. So we're learning a lot in terms of the research that tells us for a fact when they examine the brains from expired athletes what has really taken place physically within a brain. And we're also learning from it uh, for those who are still living, as they talk about their memory is, is shot, they can't remember what they're doing, they're having blackouts. And so we're beginning to learn a lot more around how uh, these injuries affect the day-to-day living for individuals who have uh, suffered concussions or brain injury from sports-related events. And Susan, this is Peaches. They're finding, too, now that um, with our younger athletes that the ones who are suffering the most are are females, young females. That's right. That's right. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because being a female, sometimes I get a little sensitive that we're an overlooked uh, segment. But, yes, and particularly around soccer um, that women play. But, yes, women athletes are, are most at risk for this, too. And um, we've had, and Becky can, can attest to this before Congress, we've had um, actually a briefing once on brain injury in women and had 
an ex-soccer star who talked in that briefing, who was a on the U.S. Olympic team, was a gold medal winner. And she talked about that from a perspective of a female. Well, it's difficult to seek assistance that doctors often overlook the symptoms that she had to say, and yet she had difficulty in a lot of arenas, including sensory issues. She was in the basement a lot because she couldn't stand the light and the noise. And mm. it was real enlightening just to see how women access or don't access health care as opposed to men. Well, and I also think that we try to prove that we are we can achieve the same things. So maybe we are a little bit reckless when we get out there because we want to be considered equal. Maybe, maybe. Um, But I also think, uh, and I'm picking on soccer, and I don't mean to, but I think that's one sport that that starts early uh, with people. They start at a young age. Mm -hmm. And over time, there's a lot of repetitiveness in terms of the head-hitting, etc. Well, in fact, I I think the statistics show uh, that there are more injuries in soccer, all kinds of body part injuries, than in football. Yes. That's right, and that's what I was kind of alluding to with the repetitiveness. And I'll say this for the states. Um, this is one thing at least states have tried to address. All 50 states have um, passed legislation on return to play, and you've, you probably know that now, just like you see professionally where there are some guidelines. I've noticed it with baseball. I happen to be a baseball fan as well, that there are now steps that they take if somebody's been hit in the head. They make them take time out. They make them go see a doctor before they return to play. Well, all that, I don't know which came first, but I think a lot of that came from public schools and young kids and playing in sports with these return-to-play laws that it's also spilled out over to college and the professional uh, world of sports that we're trying to – assess what's going on with an individual at the time they're playing the sport. And then we've got 12 states now that are actually are looking into return-to-learn laws, that once you have a concussion, it's not just about returning to play, but how does it affect your academics? All right, stay with me a minute. I want to remind folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron. Sitting in for Carol Zerniel today is our special co-host, Peaches Hall, and we're talking on our Caregiver SOS on air hotline with Susan Vaughn and Rebecca Wolfkeel. They're with the National Association of State Head Injury Administrators. And to the two of you, whoever wants to pick this up, folks who are listening may wonder, well, what has the state got to do with this? Why are states involved in head injuries? Becky, I've done talking. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take it away. Um, although I will say, Susan is the founder of our organization and a, and a former state employee, a retired state employee. So I'm sure she'll have some additional um, context. But um, so our organization, which is the, as you said, the state head injury administrators, for the state employees across the country that are working to support and create systems of care for individuals living with brain injuries and their families. So um, oftentimes, as many know, the state government is the um, insurer or support system of last resort for people that need are in need of services. And it could be health care, it could be rehabilitation, it could be supports to help individuals get back to work. Um, We're seeing a lot of connection between older adult falls and brain injury now, and there are many state resources that are already providing um, 
supports for older adults. So the, we've been trying to help as an association help states ensure that their existing supports also um, educate their constituents and provide care for um, for brain injury as well. And there's some discussion about brain injury as well. So um, the states, some states have very robust systems of care. Some have a little bit um, less robust systems that are a bit more fragmented. Each state handles brain injury a little bit differently. Um, some states have uh, a lot of capacity in their departments of health. Others have more capacity in their vocational rehabilitation agency, some in their mental health agency. Um, each state tackles it a little bit differently. and um, I'm not sure that's a plus. So it's that not. Is, it is. A, not. You are right. That is. That's one of the main challenges that we have um, is identifying who in the state is working on brain injury and then helping them um, understand what other stakeholders um, may be resources to them so that they can partner together and create systems of care for, now what should, for their constituents. What should caregivers know and understand uh, when it comes to dealing with traumatic brain injuries? And let's take a senior who has fallen. Uh, and and hit their head. What are the warning signs that caregivers should be aware of? When should you go get help? When should you take them in for a screening? Those kind of issues. So I'll start. Um, this is something that has really been uh, a new um, area that we've been working in. And I'm going to let I'm going to start, and then I'm going to let Becky uh, follow up with some things we're doing at the federal level. I think uh, with the information that we get from Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, we do see, and, and it was alluded to earlier, that um, older adults are at high risk for a brain injury due to a fall, just as you said. Uh, we have uh, made inroads, I think, with the health care segment in terms of asking if somebody's had a fall. I'm at that age now when I visit the doctor. That's one of the questions they ask me, have you fallen lately? That seems to be on people's radar screen. But we're trying to now get it on the radar screen that if you had a fall, did you hit your head? And if you hit your head, are, are, uh, there are signs uh, to, to be aware of. Um, as it was also mentioned earlier, um, these symptoms are often confused or can be confused if it, with the person has dementia or the person thinks they have dementia after a fall, not recognizing that it's the brain that's injury that's causing it, meaning they could be uh, having trouble with memory and problems with personality. Uh, sometimes I had a friend, I know someone whose mother fell, and she talked about how all of a sudden, she was just so irritated all the time. She was lashing out all the time. Her whole behavior and demeanor had changed in addition to the fact that she didn't have memory, uh, that she had memory issues. And so sometimes people think, oh, well, that must be dementia. That must be Alzheimer's. That must be because they're not eating right, when really it could be related to a brain injury. And that's when we suggest that, that a physician uh, look at that to see if it is. I think in addition to having those kind of symptoms, something that we are becoming aware in this country are prominent people now who fall and then they end up having a blood clot and having more medical uh, conditions that do not always end up uh, in, a, in a well situation. So I think there's some awareness now that people know that you should have a check to make sure you don't have a blood clot or something, but sometimes we have to make caregivers or family members, people that are used to interacting with older folks, to be aware if they've uh, 
see some signs that I just talked about. Ask them if, you know, find out if they've had a fall and hit their head, if that could be part of the problem that's taking place. And, and I'd like to segue to Becky because this is something that we're working on nationally. All right. Well, Becky, hold that thought. We're going to come right back to you, and uh, we'll pick that up with uh, what's being done nationally dealing with falls. Let me just toss in that, uh, according to research, falls are the leading cause of death, injury, and hospital admissions among the elderly. So this is a really serious problem. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Peaches Hall, our co-host here today on Caregiver SOS On Air. We're talking on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline with a couple of experts in the field, Rebecca Wolfkeel and Susan Vaughn. They're both with the National Association of State Head Injury Administrators. At WellMed, we care about you. It shows in the way we take the time to get to know you, your history, your health goals, and everything that makes you, you. We'll help you feel your best through proven industry-leading care and advanced technology. We always strive to give you our full attention and deepest respect. Medicare annual enrollment period is October 15th through December 7th. Pick a plan that gives you access to WellMed doctors. Visit WellMedFindADoctor.com or call 844-439-7517. We're so glad you're with us right here on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol Zerniel, our co-host, is on special assignment today, and Peaches Hall is filling in. We're talking about TBIs, traumatic brain injuries, and a whole lot more. And with us on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline, Rebecca Wolfkeel, uh, Wolfkeel and Susan Vaughn, both with NASHIA. National Association of State Head Injury Administrators. And we're going to go to Peaches in a moment. But first, you all are going to bring us up to date on what's happening on the federal level dealing with seniors' falls and head injuries. Yes, that's right. Thank you. I think before we went to break, uh, you had mentioned that falls are a leading cause of death and disability um, in America. And and so to connect to that, uh, falls are also the leading cause of brain injury for older adults. So um, oftentimes an older adult may have a fall, that does have a fall, hits their head, goes to the ER, they may forget that they've hit their head um, and have an injury elsewhere on the body that is treated when they go to the ER but not necessarily uh, screened for brain injury and they may have forgotten that they have hit their head. Um, So Susan had mentioned Earlier, symptoms often come later um, after the brain injury has occurred, and they may come in the way of a memory um, memory lapse or other um, symptoms that can be easily defined as dementia or sort of older age memory um, loss. And um, provided medication that may further exacerbate the um, the brain injury, and so it's. It's really, you know, a growing area of concern. It's a very um, complicated area. But um, at the the federal level, Congress has been considering the reauthorization of the Older Americans Act. And um, that, as many of you know, funds um, many of and most of the aging programs um, that seniors are able to access across the country. Um, We were successful in working with a congressman from Pennsylvania, Congressman Fred Keller, 
in um, Congressman Keller had some language included in the bill that would allow for screening of brain injury um, to occur in in aging and disability resource centers and other um, senior centers where um, other screenings um, are taking place. So our hope is that more older adults that have sustained a brain injury will be um, recognized as such and be given resources to help them navigate um, their symptoms and hopefully um, recover um, fully. So, um, you know, that's something that we're really proud of and we think is is really an important effort. That's wonderful. One of the things that um, I I think that I see happen a lot, too, is when we have people that are seniors uh, fall, they feel uncomfortable about calling their families that they've had another issue and they don't want to go to the doctor and it's putting them out and they're tired and they don't want to go. So I I usually push it. If there's a head, you know, that is struck in any way, and especially if they have dementia, they hit it even harder. Uh, They, you know, they usually stop the fall with their head. Um, but I usually get a hold of the family and then can go back in the room and say, you know, I just talked to your daughter and she is fine with, you know, coming and getting you and she's happy that you're uh, going to the to the doctor. She wants you to go. And then it kind of puts them at ease too. But I think there's a lot of pressure when they depend on family to have to take them to the doctor, you know. Yeah, you know, my mother was recently in assisted living, uh, 95, and they found her. She had fallen once and they called me um, as as the person that still lives in the state, the daughter. Um, I live five hours away, but I'm here. And the first thing I said, did she hit her head? And she said, no. And it was a nurse. She said, no, we checked that because they uh, knew to check it. But not everybody knows to ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something in the bill that Becky talked about. Mm -hmm. There's some provisions for health promotion and awareness to educate people uh, to ask those questions and get our health care providers to ask those questions. Now, has that bill been enacted and signed into law? Not yet. Um, it has moved through the House, and the Senate is working on a version as well. But it is one of the items that um, Congress does plan to pass um, this coming year. So, um, you know, we're we're great. We're hopeful. When when I was running memory cares, that was our policy. They fall, they hit their head, they're going. If I couldn't get a hold of a family member, I'm going with them because – or whoever is the nurse. To or the, the hospital. Yes, because they'll ask them, you know, do you hurt? And they don't know they hurt. They have dementia. That's or, right. the, you know, so, no, you're going. It, and it was up front in admission with the family. If there's a head fault, they're going to the hospital. They are. Now, when we talk about TBIs, I happen to have uh, older kids and three younger kids. I've got six-year-old twin boys and an eight-year-old daughter – all of whom are very active, all of whom are into sports. And my wife and I have been going back and forth on whether uh, we would permit them uh, to play football. What would you do if you had young kids? Well, Becky does have young kids. I'll defer to her. <laughs> oh, well, cool. <laughs> so, so wow. Becky, what, um, what's the answer? That is that's a tough question. Um, fortunately, my son is three, so um, I'm, I'm waiting to see if I get the ask as to whether or not he wants to play. There are flag football options now, which um, I'm, I've been leaning towards. Um, I, I'm not opposed to football. Um, I, as a as a personal choice, though, I would prefer that my child not play. Um, I think it, I think especially at a young age, I think some of the research shows that after 12 and as um, the brain and skull mature more, um, it, you know, it, it may be um, 
a little less um, of of an issue, but um, I personally am am hoping and will plan not um, for my son to play football. <laughs> I agree. Uh, tag is I fine. Do have a, a I, I do agree. And uh, that has two young kids. One's got a daughter, Becky's age daughter, and then a son that's two years older, so ten and twelve. And he's military, um, a pilot, and so used to wearing helmet. And these kids from day one have worn helmets. They um, they wear helmets on their skateboards. They snow ski. They wear helmet. On a horse, they have helmets on. And in terms of football, he played flag football. That was his choice. My nephew played college football. So we are very much a sports family. But I think they were alerted to the fact that he doesn't want to deny opportunities to sports. Sports has a lot of value to them, I think, in terms of teaching teamwork and other values that are associated with it. But I think um, using judgment, and I, I'm real proud of him for that, for choosing flag football and some other options where they don't have to have that head-to-head encounter at that young age. Um, but I also am very proud that they have always, always worn a helmet for whatever occasion dictates. Well, our kids wear helmets uh, for the same reason, whether yeah. they're on on a bike or a, or a uh, And not scooter. all helmets are the same. Right. I see a lot of kids without That's helmets. Right. And, and, uh, That's right. You can't control and it for others. Start, and then we started about when we started out, um, we start, now we talk about older adult falls. We talk sports-related concussions. When I started 30 years ago in brain injury, this isn't, wasn't the conversation. Uh, why, the reason states got into it at the time were largely as a result of people surviving traffic-related crashes, and those were often the 16 to 24 age group, and then um, they, they needed ongoing services that insurance didn't meet. Well, we've done a good job, I think, educating in the traffic community uh, in terms of seatbelts and helmets. Uh, we saw later war-related injuries became uh, got the public attention in terms of blast injuries, and now I, VA and the Department of Defense, and a lot of the states work with their state veterans' offices, for that matter, to offer some supports and support groups and stuff at, within the states to help that group. And then we now we have sports-related and then the older adults. So it's kind of in my time of working with brain injury we've seen uh, that we have new populations that kind of emerge, and then we try to figure out some preventive aspects for that. And at the same time, to recognize that among people that would have, uh, uh, that could have occurred in situations that you might not have thought about. Domestic violence is another area right. we've been looking into, and many states are screening for brain injury among victims of domestic violence. Well, they so bang. The field has kind of evolved. You know, they bang the victim's head against the wall, which is a typical injury in domestic violence. And also people or throw who, them on the floor. who have uncontrollable seizures that they are, they're not able to, to handle that. And, and what it does is it causes some injury into the brain. Well, let me share with you, my wife has an interesting take on the state of Texas and other states that do not mandate helmets for motorcycle riders when we see them in, in traffic my wife says that's okay that thins the gene pool uh, well i've heard it as a donor people too the, oh, <laughs> but we good. still have in my state and it's been uh, passed by the legislature three times to repeal it and three times three different governors of both parties have vetoed it it's really hard we've had all rider motorcycle helmet law our neighboring states, Missouri, has eight states that neighbor it, the most of all states. If you ever play Trivia Pursuit, we're it. 
But many of our surrounding states only have all rider only have helmets for 18 and older. And the thing is, it it still doesn't. Re, it, you still have brain injury. I mean, it, well, of it course. doesn't. It, Still banging around, and them. it has not. And you know, and the thinking is, if you're age 18 and older, you can make a decision on that. Well, I'm sorry, but you still have the volume of injuries. You still have the highway patrol involved, EMS involved, all kinds of government resources that are expended on on areas that maybe could have been prevented. Well, that's that. So that's my. Go that's ahead. My spiel for the day. <laughs> no, that's good. I, I will tell Insurance you that. Insurance prices go uh, up. You know that that little piece of physics <laughs> comes to mind. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. When your head at 60 miles an hour hits the cement highway, that's a lot of force, whether you have a helmet on or not. So, last question, and yeah. we're flat out of time. Quick question: Are any of these tra- traumatic brain injuries reversible? I think. Um, first of all, there are people that have brain injury that can uh, receive rehabilitation, that see, some, uh, see them regain a lot of their skills. And in a lot of instances, they're given some compensatory strategies to help with their memory, et cetera. But it is kind of interesting that research at the federal level, there's a project called the Brain, Project Brain, I think that's what it's called, out of NIH, National Institutes right. of Health, that's supported by some other federal agencies, Department of Defense, Department of Veterans Affairs. I've got to stop you right there. Even, we're, we're flat out of time. Right, even, I'm sorry. Okay, that's looking into what you're saying. Okay. Got to stop you right there. Hey, thanks to both of you for coming on Caregiver SOS on Air. Rebecca Wolfkeel and Susan Vaughn, our co-host, Peaches Hall is here. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll talk with you again soon. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.